Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which we hear this morning is from the Gospel of John chapter 2 verses 1 to 11. On the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. There are many different ways that the Bible has of picturing and describing the problem of our sin and the effect that it has on our lives. One of the chief among these is to talk about the brokenness of our relationship with God. As the prophet Isaiah reminds us in, in chapter 59, verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah reminds us that we... We, who were created to walk with God in the evenings, we, who were created to be his children, to know him the way that a child ought to know their own father, we do not know him. We do not walk with him. His face it is hidden from us because of our sin. Our fellowship, our relationship with God the Father is broken, more than broken. It's, it's gone completely. And yet, Jesus came to restore that fellowship. To heal that which was broken. To give us once again that fellowship which we ought to have with our Father in heaven. As Paul reminds us in Ephesians 2 verse 13 in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, separated from God, right, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Our relationship with the Father is broken by our sin, but healed through, restored through the coming of Christ. But it's not just that fellowship with the Father that's broken, is it? Because our relationship with the Father is broken, our fellowship, our relationship with one another is broken as well. It, it, they are, our relationships are not what they ought to be. Especially 
our marriages and our, our family relationships, our close family, our, our children, our parents, our brothers, our sisters. These are the relationships that ought to be the source of the greatest strength and comfort for our lives, and yet very often they become the source of the greatest discouragement and sadness and unhappiness because of our sin, because of the, the brokenness that we, that we have by nature. Yet, when Jesus came to restore our fellowship with the Father, he also came to heal, to restore our fellowship, our relationship with one another. Through the Apostle John, the Holy Spirit inspires these words that we read in 1 John 1, 3 to 4. Really wonderful, very beautiful words we hear, we hear here. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, so that your joy may be full. What does it mean? What John means here is that, yes, our relationship with the Father is broken. Because our relationship with the Father is broken, our relationships with each other are broken as well. Yet through the gospel, right, we we declare to you that which we have heard and seen, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he, he died for our sins. Through the proclamation of that message, our fellowship with the Father is restored, John says, and then and only then, with the correct relationship with our Father, can our relationships with one another be healed as well. And then, Jesus having restored our fellowship, then our joy is full where before it was missing. Jesus came to restore our fellowship. Our marriages, yes, but not limited to that, all the relationships that we ought to have with one another. And that's what we find in our text today. That's at least part of what's happening in our sermon text today, isn't it? Because here you have a young couple Getting married, beginning that greatest of all relationships that God created from the beginning because he said it's not good that man should be alone. That wonderful gift from God of marriage. They're beginning that life of marriage. They're celebrating their marriage, their wedding, and something is missing. Something is lacking. Jesus fulfills what is lacking, doesn't he? He provides what's missing to fulfill the joy of their wedding celebration. He turns water into wine. Now some might say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's a small thing. That's not a big deal. You know, not having enough wine in your wedding isn't really going to ruin your marriage, right? might just mean that the celebrations end a little early. And yet, Jesus doesn't hesitate to fulfill this thing here. Their celebration is more joyful with it than it would be without. Not, 
not in drunkenness. We don't want to give that impression that Jesus was saying, oh yeah, it's okay for you guys to drink too much. That's not the kind of the joy that Jesus provides, is it? But the celebration is better with the wine. Without it, there would be embarrassment. There would be a lack. Jesus fulfills what is lacking. Now, that's, this is an earthly thing. An earthly blessing he gives here. But it's a, a parable for us. A living parable. Something that really happened, but teaches us, takes the earthly and teaches us the spiritual. That if Jesus was more than willing, more than happy to provide what was missing for their wedding, what was missing for an earthly celebration, how much more will he be willing and ready to bless us with what is missing spiritually, what is lacking emotionally. He fulfills their joy and he fulfills ours as well. If his earthly blessing made the wedding better, how much more will his spiritual blessings fulfill the joy of our relationships and make our, our marriages and and other relationships better as well. Our, our relationships are often lacking, are often missing what they need to come to that fullness of joy that God would have us celebrate and rejoice in. When this couple was lacking what they needed, they asked Jesus, well, Mary asked Jesus, but through Mary they asked Jesus, and Jesus, Jesus fulfilled it. When we're lacking what we need, we can ask Jesus too, and he promises to fulfill what we need. And then, here's the really astounding thing, isn't it? The wine, the latter wine, the, la the wine that Jesus blessed them with was better than the wine that was before the master of the feast is astounded. He says in John 2.10, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, but you have kept the good wine until now. The master of the feast is surprised that what comes later is better than what came before. It doesn't surprise us that what Jesus gave is better than what came before, but unfortunately a lot of people have the same attitude towards relationships and to marriage as well. There's too many people who think that, well, <clears throat> marriages start out wonderful and fun, but inevitably they kind of decay at times. There's too many people who expect the latter part of marriage to be less than the former. And yet, through Jesus, the opposite is possible. Through Jesus, he can bless and restore so that what comes later is greater than what comes before. This takes trust on our part, doesn't it? This means trusting Jesus, as Mary trusted Jesus. You remember in our text <coughs> that uh, Jesus rebukes Mary, and what's Mary's response? Mary's response is to the servants, whatever he tells you, do it. She gives complete control to Jesus, trusts him absolutely to help, to, to do what is needed. Psalm 37, 5 reminds, reminds us, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. 
Vanessa and I, my wife Vanessa and I, were out uh, cross-country skiing on Friday. And I have not a lot, but I have some experience with cross-country skiing when I was younger. But this is really <clears throat> one of the first times that Vanessa has, has gone cross-country skiing. And so uh, she kept asking me, well, how do I stop? How do I stop? To which, to which my response was, well, why do you want to stop? We're not going that fast. Just go with it. Just let go. Well, I don't want to run into a tree, right? It's too, it's too often we don't want to let go. I mean, if you don't want to let go when you're skiing, that's fine. But too often we don't want to let go of control in our relationships. We're afraid that if we let go of control, we're going to end up crashing into a tree. And yet, it's when we insist on us controlling it, instead of trusting Jesus, instead of letting go to Christ, it's when we insist on having control, that is when we end up crashing. When we put control into Jesus' hands, when we let go, that's when we're not going to crash. I can imagine that there are some people who, if Jesus offered to them what he gives to the couple in our account, if, he, if Jesus came up and offered and said, you know what, I'll take care of the wine for your wedding. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. I'll bless your wedding with the wine. There are some people who would probably say no, right? Who would say, yeah, you know, we have a plan, we've picked out just the, just the right kind of wine that we wanted. We're not really sure what kind of wine you're going to make. Uh, we, we're just more comfortable using what we picked out than we know that it'll be the right stuff. There are a lot of people, unfortunately, have that same attitude towards our marriages, towards our relationships. I, I want my relationship to be this way. I'm not really so sure that God is going to give me what I think I want, so I'd rather just be in control myself to make sure I get the relationship that I want. But insisting on controlling, insisting on control instead of trusting Jesus to bless us with what he knows is best, that's when we end up crashing into trees. We know what God's plan is for our relationships. He tells us what kind of marriages he wants us to have. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. And he says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That means always putting your wife and your children's interests above your own. Not using your position as head of the house to get what you want, but using it to give them what's best for them. And that's, that's where we kind of get scared, like, mm, not sure I really trust that kind of relationship, God. We know what God wants for our other relationships as well, not just our marriage. God's word says that you should have relationships which forgive. Forgive. Forgive, forgive, and pray for one another, no matter what they've done for you. And again, we're often like, eh, 
I'd rather be angry, God. I'd rather be angry. We don't want to relinquish control because we're not so certain where God is going, that we want to go where Jesus leads us. As long as we insist on our control, we keep falling down. We keep crashing. Yes, we know what kind of relationships that God wants us to have. We also know the blessings he promises us. Like Jeremiah 32, 38, and 39. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever for the good of them and their children after them. And that's such a beautiful description of the relationships that we wish we had one heart, one way. My people, the people of God, living together in, in love and unity. This is the, the greater wine, right? The, the greater, the latter thing that Jesus can bless us with and does promise to bless us with, with that fellowship that begins with, a, a, with him. We are his people and he is our God, and from that relationship, he restores our others. Jesus came to bless and to restore. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to heal that which was broken. He came to restore our fellowship with him and with one another. Submit to the Lord. Trust also in him. Proverbs 3.5 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in him and he will bless your marriage relationship your life and the former will be greater than the latter the lord can heal what is broken malachi 4 2 but to you who fear my name the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings amen